Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I am host Winsor Burns, along my counterpart, Savon Morris. How's it going? It's going pretty good, man. Um, Got to tell them what we're, what we're trying to work on before the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, have, I have to mention, we're doing Zoom for the first time. We're doing Zoom for the first time. So we're trying to switch it up in 2021 to give you guys yeah. a different experience. So it's not just... Uh, you guys just aren't hearing these two guys in their twenties, <laughs> two guys in their twenties, <laughs> and not actually. <laughs> how's it going, man? Man, it's going pretty good, man. A little bit under the weather, but you know, we 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 on we on the podcast, rain, sleet, or snow. So let's get into it. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, we have a lot of topics to get into tonight, as usual, and um, we're going to get into a few. Um, uh, NFL topics, you know, a college championship, uh, just recap. And then also um, a blockbuster trade, the trade you didn't want to happen with James Harden going to the Nets. It, it happened, Savon. I, 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 I know you didn't want it to happen, but it's it's finally happened. And then uh, uh, also in the second half, we'll get into the review of the social network. But just started off with um, the national championship recap. Uh, Alabama had a commanding victory over Ohio State, um, winning 52 to 24 and Devontae Smith was just absolutely unstoppable with 12 catches and 215 yards all in the first half. Um, Najee Harris was, was spectacular as well with um, Mac Jones just having an, an impeccable performance. And they finished the season 13-0. and um, Nick Saban accumulates his seventh title. And we didn't see the same offensive balance from Ohio State that we saw in the Sugar Bowl against uh, Clemson. And you were mentioning as, you know, a couple weeks ago, you didn't think that they can match up well with um, Clemson. But... Justin Fields had a phenomenal, you know, six touchdown performance in that one. But what were kind of your thoughts on just the dominant win Alabama pulled out and also Devontae Smith's masterful display as, you know, he just really just separated himself from the pack in that game? Yo, man, the game was closer than we thought it was. But when you have a wide receiver in Devontae Smith that's a mismatch, that you don't do the right things against him, he's going to make you pay. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of they, they were stopping the run, but it was a lot of play action, a lot of open lanes because Najee Harris said the best. He was like with ease. No, they was like crashing in gaps, and what they did was they started running play action. The linebackers are shooting the gaps, so it's going to be open right behind it. They, they're smart enough to start running play action. A lot of, lot of man on man on the outsides, and they were, they wasn't pressing Devontae Smith. They were letting him right. run out. And he's not the biggest guy, Willerton. Let's no. he's not the biggest guy. <laughs> it's not like you cannot press him. But they did not press him. But Alabama was smart enough to, right. to find and highlight mismatches that allowed Devontae Smith just to go off, man. And he was the difference. He but when he left, I thought, okay, he got maker. hurt. Right. I thought he got hurt. He was the Dolphins gonna slow down. No, not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Next man up, Najee Harris <laughs> kind of took over the game. Um, didn't slow down one bit. No, not at all. Like, it slowed down for a drive, and then they start running the ball really well. And then Clemson – they not Clemson, sorry. Ohio State had no answer for them. No. They didn't have the answer. But I didn't think – it was closer than the score t- told everybody. But I think when you look at it specifically – Offense, defense, and what Alabama did to them and how they adjusted. Alabama is one of the greatest teams to adjust at half in during the game, not just waiting until the halftime, mm-hmm. but during the game. They adjusted well. Ohio State played their butt off. They played, uh, I think, uh, a clean a ball of football, but it just wasn't their night, man. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't their night. It, it wasn't enough. And, you know, me and my brother, we were, we were talking about it um, throughout the game. You look at what LSU's offense did last season and how they just could not be stopped at all. And then you have an offense like this Alabama, uh, just a spectacular display that they showed throughout the season, Mac Jones with what he did. And it's like, when you look at those two offenses, Tyler said, it's clear, it's clearly LSU. He would take that offense any day, any day of the week. Who would you take between last year's LSU's offense and this offense? Because I mean, they got studs as well. And even last year's Alabama team and Tua and the, all of those guys, still can beat them. You know what? It's hmm. taking a long pause. <laughs> yeah, I had to really think about that because you know what? I think 
I'll have to take Alabama for this reason alone because I don't think LSU had depth and it showed when Justin Jefferson left. Right. Um, all those guys left, and then the, I forgot his name, the wide receiver that that came back, but opted out the season. You can tell their offense was different. Now we just said Dr. Devontae mm-hmm. Smith went out that game. The next man up, Alabama has depth. Yeah, Alabama yeah, has guys depth. who can fill in quick. Exactly. I think that when the Cowboys won their second Super Bowl when uh, Emmitt Smith and Troy Aikman first came got there, they had depth. It was like man, our two or three guys were ballers. Mm-hmm. Alabama has Alabama stays right. with guys that you never heard of, but they're five star recruits, or you haven't heard from them in the years because they got to work their way up because <laughs> Alabama is just a dome of talent. So when you think of Alabama, yeah, you have to think of depth. They're going to have people that have been playing for years behind another guy because he was good. You see how they interchange defensive linemen and linebackers and wide receivers and running backs. They're basically running back you. So when I think of a team, and I think about what that team did in the span of a year. Because a lot of teams, it's so hard to right. uh, match what you did the year before. And just like Alabama said, we didn't we didn't restart. We just reloaded. And Alabama reloads. That's why I'll take, yep. I'll take Alabama over LSU because we see what LSU did without their wide receivers. There was a major drop-off the following year after their championship run. A major drop-off. And that's and that was just so evident in, in, in this season. So taking Alabama's offense this year with what they with what they were able to fill up, and like you said, they reload. They don't mm-hmm. they don't take any any steps back. They take ten steps forward. It just it was so evident this season. Absolutely. Um, now looking ahead to the draft in an early sense, you got Trevor Lawrence who already declared for it. Um, also, Devontae Smith will be available. Justin Fields, Kyle Pitts. Um, mm-hmm. I mean. With what Devontae Smith and and this and this past performance, does it change any any terms of just like the draft order or just like is there a no brainer and just clear cut impact player from from this particular draft that you think can have like the highest upside even outside of the quarterbacks that are available? So that that's tricky because now we we know Urban Meyer is at Jacksonville. He's the head coach for Jacksonville. And Jacksonville has the first pick. So now right. we're looking at if they go still with new, new announcement, new announcement for, for you for you guys who didn't hear. Right. If you didn't know Urban Meyer is Urban not sick anymore. <laughs> he's not sick anymore. He's <laughs> every time he says he's sick, he stays out for like a year or two and then he jumps to another team. Like, yo, you said that with Florida, you said that with Ohio State, you said that with your job as an analyst, and now you're a head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Okay, your journey is pretty Okay, um, but we know <laughs> <laughs> what the Jacksonville Jaguars need. But if you, I don't know how the new the direction with Urban Meyer is he going to get Trevor Lawrence? Will he want to get a a, a Cal Pitts or Devonte Smith? Well, does he want to go get a running back because they got rid of uh, Leonard Fournette? He's at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's in the playoffs. So I don't know what direction Jacksonville Jaguars right. want to go to, or do they want to get a defensive lineman or a cornerback or safety? I haven't examined the Jack- Jacksonville Jaguars because I didn't know who the head coach was going to be. Or now I know it's going to be an offensive team, so he's going to pick a quarterback. I know I just said all that to say this, but I think he's going to pick a quarterback. I think he believes in Trevor Lawrence. He has so much respect for him when, when he was an analyst and talking about him for the last three years. I think he gets Trevor Lawrence. I think he builds them around him, um, even though they got Minshew and Nick Foles. I think those guys are out of there. And they're going to get Trevor Lawrence because he's a baller. And I think he's a quarterback to come in and really wreak havoc because he's a smart guy. He's uh he's accurate. He's yeah. a baller. He's a team leader. Um, yeah, I think I think they get Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence still stays number one for uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, it, it, it definitely kind of feels like it, like it's going to have that direction for him. Um, transitioning to the NFL, and Cleveland had a major upset of Pittsburgh and. Just in terms of just your overall thoughts on how they just have reshaped their culture this season, because like for them losing Kevin Stefanski, um, he, he had to sit out because of COVID. Um, you know, also uh, I believe Denzel Ward, uh, Joel uh, uh, Betonia, their, their starting left guard. A lot of players had to sit out for COVID, and them getting to a massively—I didn't even see like the first part of the game. So when I saw it was twenty-eight nothing in the first quarter, and they jump out to that type of lead, and just. Um, right. just capitalize off of the Steelers, um, you know, turnovers and mistakes. We, we had always talked about, is this Steelers team legitimate? After they got, got off to that 11-0 start, is this a legitimate type of team that can actually make a deep run? 
But what, what were kind of your thoughts on Cleveland just getting over the hump with the postseason win and them doing it to a team like the Steelers that's caused them so many past losses as this season is just has brought so much success for them and anything else is, you know, a bonus. It's so much around this game. I'm sorry. It's so much around this game, man. So let's start with the base of it. 2002 is the last time the uh, the Browns went to the to the playoffs. 2002, this is crazy. 2002, the first season American Idol was on. <laughs> the offer was filmed and later aired on NBC. 2002, I was like in elementary. 2002, I was like in elementary. <laughs> I was too. <laughs> I was elementary. <laughs> and then the population since 2002 went up from 1.5 billion people. So it's a lot of things that's happened since they <laughs> so funny since they've been in the playoffs. So you, then you you look at what Juju said about the Browns. And then last time they were in the playoffs, they played the Pittsburgh Steelers and they, they mm. lost. So it's only fitting that they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers to get into the playoffs and then beat the Pittsburgh Steelers to advance in the playoffs. It's it's one of the best things you can hope for the Browns. The team that the, beat them the last time they were in the playoffs is the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers, Juju, the star wide receiver, is talking mad junk. He's talking mm-hmm. mad junk, and they go out and push it to the limit. Push it to them. Pushing it, yeah. <laughs> they push it into the limit, man. It's so crazy, bro. What a phenomenal game. But I have to applaud Baker Mayfield. And I was high on Baker. Absolutely. He, he's yeah. received so much criticism. He's, re- he's accumulated so much criticism, and he really stepped up. With just cause, I will say that, with just cause, because Baker is literally like Brett Favre. Brett Favre used to make so many ill-advised throws and forced throws and average two interceptions a game. This year he has eight, I believe. He has not thrown an interception for the past four or five games. He's been on one. He's literally been on one. Jarvis Landry is another guy. And then you have to put the top guy at the the tippy top, Nick Chubbs. Without Nick Chubbs, they will not be the way they are. Absolutely. possible. Nick Chubb right. is a dual triple threat. It would not be back. possible. The guy is cheesed, man. They would not be there. But Nick Chubb's had a great game. Baker Mayfield had a great game. Jarvis Landry just solidified himself again as a top 15 wide receiver. He's not top 10, but a top 15 wide receiver. He's done his job without OBJ. What a season for the Browns. Mm-hmm. Making history, man. Absolutely. And um, transitioning to Baltimore. Well, even before I get to that with Pittsburgh, I mean, Big Ben, you know, mm-hmm. in the latter half of his career, what do you think about the future for them? Because it's mm-hmm. one of those things where he constantly said after loss, look, there. I'm not doing enough. I'm I'm in, I'm in lower tier. It really feels as though their offense and just their offensive structure, their direction kind of has to take a reshape. Yeah, man. It's eventually Big Ben is going to be out of there. And it's sad to see because Big Ben has been there for so long. I don't see him getting picked up by any other any other squad, to be honest. I know you, you say, well, Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay Buccaneers or Phillip Rivers went to the Colts. I think the system that Big Ben has been for the, his, his entire career is different from Tom Brady's system. I don't think Big Ben will go anywhere else and be Big Ben. He'll be that old guy who's getting phased out. Tom Brady's still playing high high quality football. Not saying taking anything from Big Ben, yeah, but still. eventually he'll he'll be out of there. And I don't think any other team will pick him up. Um, maybe out of respect, but I don't think I don't I don't know. But they, I think they draft another quarterback. I don't think uh, the quarterback they have in their stable are good enough quarterbacks to say, okay, let's get rid of Big Ben, and we're we're com- we're comfortable and we're confident in the next guy up. They're not. No, not in uh, what's the. The, the quarterback that got in this scuffle. Mason with, Rudolph. Mason Rudolph is not the guy. Mason Rudolph is yeah. not the guy. So I think they draft another guy. Depends on who they draft, though, because it definitely won't be Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. I don't even know their um <laughs> their uh their draft lineup, their draft picks. I haven't looked at that. So I mean, eventually, I think in the next year or so, I think Big Man is gonna be phased out. Get him out of there. Yeah. Um, transitioning to, to Baltimore's uh, kind of like revenge win versus the Titans and just Lamar Jackson silencing the critics. You know, they were able to win their wild card versus Tennessee. 
Um, this was, you know, also Lamar Jackson's first postseason win, and they were able to find a lot of success moving the ball on the ground in the second quarter. And and that game tying touchdown, that that forty eight yarder that Lamar had right before the halftime, that was the spark, you know, the epitome of what he can do. Just his his full array and skill set. Um, he after that first quarter pick, though, he he was able to settle down, completed seventeen of twenty four passes for one hundred seventy nine yards, and he also carried sixteen carries. Uh, had 16 carries for 136 yards. Um, Marquise Brown, seven receptions for 109 yards. But what was kind of like your biggest takeaway from this win? Because they were carrying so much just pent up um, aggression from that last year, um, you know, divisional round loss to the Titans when they were at home in the one seed. And now they're able to go on the road against Tennessee, get, you know, Lamar Jackson's first postseason win, advance, um, have a matchup with Buffalo. But kind of like what was your biggest takeaway from this win for Baltimore? Find a way to win. Find a way. Find a way to win. Lamar's numbers are not going to be flattering, especially his quarterback. His, his passing numbers they are not going to be flattering. But they find a way to win. Lamar finds Lamar finds a way to extend plays and be the difference maker. Lamar was a difference maker. The the, the amount of right. confidence you have to pull the ball down and to outrun like three people and then extend yourself to make the touchdown. That's that's pure pure wanting to win. You can't coach that. Lamar makes way makes and finds ways to win and get in the end zone. That's the difference really? making. Once again, his passing right. numbers are not going to be flattering, but he finds a way to win. The defense stepped up uh that game. They they held, you know, King Derrick under under wraps for the most part. He wasn't a big factor in his game 2013. Lamar was a difference maker. Lamar finds a way to get in the end zone and defense play good enough football to hold him under 14 points. Yeah, it, it, it really was a, a spectacular um, display from, from, from what he did and just the type of performance that he was able to put together and that, and that setting, do you feel as though going forward, is it one of those things where with just the narrative, did you think it was unfair for, for him at that, at the age that he's at to get so much criticism early on for his like lack of postseason success. Cause I mean, this is his third year in the league and people were treating it like he just had never, he, he was never going to be able to get over the hump and he, and he just was always going to be this journeyman. It seemed as though like a premature narrative. It's that's crazy. Three years in the first year he shared time with, with uh, Joe Flacco. Then the second year he leads his team to the playoffs mm -hmm. and they lose to Tennessee Titans. So a hot Tennessee Titans team, and a Ron Tannehill who played out of his mind, and Derrick Henry who almost eclipsed 2,000 yards that last season. So they were on a hot streak. Right. That's his second year, as his first year as a full starter. What do you expect? Because he backed his narrative up, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a quarterback, and I'm not a wide receiver and running back, I'm not changing my position, people automatically even put him more up and highlighted him more, well, he's not going to be this or his passing and this. He doesn't have to have flattering numbers. He just has to win. And he has a head coach who right. believes in him. And that's the best thing you can have as a quarterback, as a just as an individual player, have your coach be behind you 110%. In his third year, he's back in the playoffs. <laughs> third season, second full season as a quarterback. He's back in the playoffs. He beat the same team that beat him last year. What else do you have to say? Oh, his numbers isn't yeah. flattering. It doesn't have to be flattering. He's winning. That's the difference. And I think it is a, it's a, it's a, it's a notion and a narrative that should not be, have been created because you think he should be something else. But he's proving you that he's a quarterback. Quarterback job is to win, is to manage. He manages every aspect of the game. He's going to get better. Give him an opportunity to be better and get off his back. He's in the playoffs. You want to talk about playoffs? He's in the playoffs. Wellington, he's in the yeah. playoffs. Give the guy He one. is in the playoffs. But it's, the it's crazy, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's absolutely. Um, transitioning to... To, to most interesting AFC divisional round game, you know, got Bills, Ravens, and then Browns, Chiefs. To me, Bills, Ravens has a lot of interesting elements because, you know, after Buffalo's wild card win versus the Colts, they have a lot of momentum, you know, going on for them. MVP candidate and Josh Allen, and then Stephon Diggs, them being one of the best duos in a connection that's really hard to defend. 
And, you know, the Ravens, they are going to have the recipe of, of, you know, slowing them down as they have a lot of talent in their secondary led by uh, Marlon Humphrey. And then Lamar Jackson's dual threat style can give any defense fits. Um, so, so I definitely think like that's kind of the matchup in the AFC that stands out to me the most. Uh, which one between those two matchups kind of um, stands out to you more? Baltimore is a good matchup. And I want to see if Marcus Peters is going to be on um, Stefan Diggs. But the, the game that's interesting to me is obviously going to be Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go. And then the LA Rams. <laughs> go Pack Go. I'm interested yeah, because we've seen how crazy. So that's LA's the, so for season. the NFC. So it would be the it, so for the NFC divisional round, you would have that as the more interesting one compared oh, to this, Tampa Bay New Orleans. Oh, okay, never mind. I see what you did there. I'm sorry. You were talking about AFC. Most definitely AFC. Oh yeah, AFC. My bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because you, you went for AFC, Buffalo, and Baltimore and AFC. Sorry. So out of AFC, I'll have to take Kansas City and Cleveland. Okay. Kansas City and Cleveland. That's going to be a good one. Kansas City Chiefs doesn't have the hype around them. It's whatever. Mm. Nobody's really talking about the Chiefs. Everybody's silent. Everybody's silent. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nobody's talking about the Chiefs. No. Nobody. Nobody. After Patrick Mahomes lost in the, the MVP race or whatever, and no, everybody stopped talking, the Chiefs has been silent. Announcers have been silent. Right. I want to know why. And I know mm. Kansas City is looking like they must have forgot. We're the defending Super Bowl champions. We're going to yep. show you. I think Kansas City is going to light them on fire. They're going to light them on fire, Wellington. I can't wait. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. What Bar Scott said, can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait. God, can't man. wait. <laughs> They've been quiet. Nobody's been talking about the Chiefs. Nobody. It's all been, it's been Nobody, Cleveland. Man. It's been Baltimore. It's even been the old guys. The Chiefs are like, wait, hold up. Hold up. Did you guys forget that quick? Did you guys exactly. forget? Did you guys forget that? <laughs> Our quarterback is here for ten years. Y'all forgot. <laughs> it, it, it really is. It really is. <laughs> That's insane. How quiet people has been have been about the, the Chiefs. Man. It's, it's, the Chiefs about to make some noise. Absolutely, and and, and interesting to most interesting NFC divisional round game. I, I know you're going to go with Packers Rams, but Bucks Saints is. I mean, it, it has all the storylines you can want with. Um, Drew Brees and, and Brady and um, ha having a postseason matchup. Tampa Bay hasn't had a great record in the past against New Orleans, to say the least. I mean, they're 0-4 against them since Bruce Arians has taken over. Um, and they've been outscored by them by a combined 137 to, to 67. And you have the, contra the contrast of the Saints being built to go all the way. This is, um, many have been said, reports came out last week that this is going to be Brees' last season. And so they're definitely going to try to, you know, take him out on, on the right type of note. And Brady's more comfortable with his offense, you know, including the pre-snap pre motion and play action. He's, he's more comfortable with this type of offense. And they have shown some Im improvements. But the Saints, it, it, it still feels as though the Saints are the better team. Even with the improvements that Tampa Bay has made, um, it, it's hard to bet against Brady. But, but I would still give the edge to the Saints there. Um, in terms of the Packers and Rams, what kind of stands out to you the most in that game? And like, do you have any thoughts about this Bucks Saints matchup? Ooh, I'll, I'll I'll stay with the Bucks and Saints because I mean I could talk all day for the Rams and the, and the Packers, but the one thing I <laughs> want to see when it comes to the Buccaneers and the Saints, how good will Tom Brady be? Because mm. it's that moment, it's that time. Who last time? They got embarrassed. Yeah. Embarrassed. But we didn't see Tom Brady put his head down. They would have came right. back if he would have did that. You've been seeing He still had that optimism of like, we're going to see you guys again. We're going to see you guys again. He had that look in his eyes. We're going to see you guys again in January. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to see what Tom Brady does. Sheesh. The, and the wide receiver has been, has play has been good. AB has been blowing up. Um, Godwin or Goodwin, I think it's Godwin. Godwin is playing great basketball. I mean, great football. Mike Evans, Gronk, like his wide receiver core is phenomenal. And running game with Ronald Jones has been working too. And then with Linda Fournette, he's been getting more carries uh, here in, in, in late. So 
it's gonna be a showdown, man. I want to see what Tom Brady does. And he's killing all the naysayers. Oh, it was a system. I was one of those guys. It was a system. It's a system. It was a system with the Patriots. But you have to be a certain type of dog to to play that many X years and be in the Super Bowl that many years yeah. and win that many Super Bowls and division rounds and whatever. It just can't be the system. You got to be a good quarterback. And that's what Tom Brady is. He's the best quarterback to ever play football. And he's showing it. And a I, percentage, I if- a high percentage of it, a high percentage of their success has to be given to him. Yes. It can't just all. Sure. It can't just all be about Bill Belichick being the, the mastermind. Obviously, Bill Belichick is a great coach, but at some point, I felt as though people were just overlooking. Like, oh, Brady was lucky that he was with Belichick. When when you look at it and what he's been able to do with Tampa Bay, this is the greatest quarterback he ever played the game of football, and it's it's evident year after year. Yeah, for sure, hands down, hands down. And if you say you say Joe Montana, okay, Garcia, okay, um. Dan Marino, oh, okay. If in every specific stat line, Tom Brady, it's, it's Tom. Rings, Tom. Winning percentage, Tom. Yeah. Beating beating rivals, Tom. Like it's it's I love I love Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is in a goat talk, but Tom Brady is that guy, man. It's the guy. Yeah. Now we got we we, we got to talk about Rams Packers. We 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 got to talk about how how Go Pack Go is is gonna oh, is go gonna defend the NFC home field advantage. You got you got the jersey on. Tundra, <laughs> come on to the frozen tundra. And I don't know if uh, that's the number one thing. Yeah, like like that is the number one thing. Healthy because he, he being so comfortable mm. with them. Yeah. Aaron Donald, that's another question. And, and them with Aaron Rodgers being so comfortable playing at in that type of environment where others are like, it would be like different elements, very like the degree of difficulty would be so high. For Aaron Rodgers, it's just seamless even when he's playing in that type of weather because he, they practice in it, there's repetition there, and whenever they're in that type of environment, they're going to play at a high level. It's crazy that Aaron Rodgers has been doing this and people have like, oh, he has an off year. Like it's like he said, my off year is some quarterback's best year. And that was the coldest line you will ever hear from a quarterback. <laughs> the coldest line. It's so cold, man. That is so cold. Drop the mic. <laughs> Drop the mic. Now, now I'm wondering how Jared Goff is gonna handle the the cold tundra, the frozen tundra with his hands like that. He's not completely healthy. We sh- we saw signs of not being yeah, completely healthy, not honest. being able to throw those throws and be in the pocket as long. Mm-hmm. Um, the backup is out. I mean, you have Blake Bortles, but I doubt they they put Blake Bortles in. in <laughs> All right, Blake. Go ahead in the frozen tundra. Yeah, <laughs> Wolford, <it> for <laughs> Wolford is out. He, golf is going to start. Uh, Aaron Donald's going to play. He has uh, some ribs, but it's not. he's not ruled out. He will play. So I want to know how he how he adds up, and uh, Cup is uh, is is listed questionable. Now they got it done against against them, but I don't think they come into the frozen tundra and do those type of things. I think our offensive line is way better, and I think our interior offensive line is better, and our running game is going to kill all that. So it's going to be super interesting because I don't have faith in um, the Rams' offense. And I was watching the I, that's the only game I watched, and I was like. Really? Yeah, that's the game I watched. And I was like, they their front seven mm. is is incredible. Like Yeah. Russell Wilson did not look like that defense is, that defense is scary. That what? defense is scary. What? I didn't even know half of these guys. I didn't know Lloyd was over there. I thought Lloyd was still, <laughs> I thought he was still with the Bears for some stupid reason. <laughs> he was killing. Like they just see how offensive line just didn't have an answer. They did not have an answer. Russell Wilson was looking like he was exhausted every play. He wasn't running. He was afraid to run. He ran a couple times and it got called back. It's just a lot of things that happened for the Seahawks offense that did not work out. DK Metcalf got a touchdown, but that was off the sheer, sheer uh, extent of the play by Russell Wilson. Everything else was shut down. They just looked like they were defeated before they played. And I, I want to see the matchup between Jalen Ramsey and Devontae Adams. 
because he has not win against Devontae yes. Adams. He's not a win against Devontae Adams. This is the time for Devontae to show that he's the best wide receiver in the league. And I bet he gets over five catches in a touchdown. Mm. I'm calling you heard it here now, first. Bro. You heard like, it here first. He's calling it. I'm calling Sorry, 2021 calling it. Because <laughs> everybody's saying Jalen Ramsey is the best cornerback. They have best cornerback. He shut all the wide receivers down. He hasn't he hasn't went up against Devontae Adams. And this is a healthy Devontae Adams. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's gonna be a good game. That's the headline. Definitely. Um, transitioning to the NBA and just kind of the thoughts on an unpredictable NBA season with, with, you know, COVID's impact still being so high. And throughout the first three, uh, three weeks of the season, you know, there, there's been upsets, inconsistencies, and even, you know, lopsided scores after a short end of the season and more teams having to play without key players due to the um, league's health and safety protocols. And, you know, this is not changing anytime soon. This past Tuesday, the league adjusted its health and safety protocols in an effort to lower um, the rise of positive tests, but kind of like, what were your thoughts on just, what are your thoughts on the NBA navigating another COVID filled year as this has not become, you know, not only the new reality in society, but also sports as almost every other game is being post postponed with just so many adjustments teams are having to make. It's. Mm. And, and, and we, and we kind of, sh- we kind of should have been able to see this with, with what happened at the bubble, everything was seamless with the bubble. I mean, with the bubble, everything was just in one central location, no issues, but now teams being back in their home, home stadiums, being able to go home, you know, church, uh, um, go back and forth. This was just a reality that was, you know, doomed to happen. I forgot, I forgot the, the, the basketball player. He was like, if I got to stay in my room 24 hours, we should. We shouldn't even play the games. Like, if it's that if it's that big of a precautionary measure, why are we playing it? Why are we playing? And I and I, I and I kind of agree with. I think we we we've been forced forcing uh, the NFL, the NBA, MLB, all these these organizations, NCAA, to play these games mm-hmm. and not think about the risk of these players. They have families. A lot of people opted right. out last year. Why are we playing? Why are they playing? I, I feel the same thing. If if it's we're gonna have to go through these many loops and loopholes and these loops to get these players safe, why are we playing the games? Why are there's an NBA season? They lucked out and had no like everybody was good except who's was it? Was it J.R. Smith? No, it wasn't J.R. Smith. It was um who went to the strip clubs, man. <laughs> Gosh. Who got in trouble? Oh, Lou Williams. Lou Williams. Lou Williams. It was Lou Williams. That's the yeah, only instance. <laughs> Who had to get those lemon pepper. Had to get those lemon pepper hot wings. Had to get those lemon yeah, pepper hot wings. I did get the lemon pepper hot wings, and that was just okay. It was good stuff, man. It was good. It was good stuff, man. Yeah, I don't think he went there for those lemon pepper hot wings because he could get those anywhere. Um, but I think that that question has to be posed why are these guys why are the NBA playing the games why are we forcing them to play these games and I think that's when we and I think another thing is yeah I I mean the other thing I think is maybe the NBA is just like we know this is going to happen but we still got to make money. We still got to bring in revenue. Even if it's a shortened season, we know this is a reality, but we, we've still just got to keep trudging along. Even if we have multiple postponed games at the end of the, at the end of the season, we still want to have a playoffs. We still want to have an NBA finals. We still want to have all the things that we usually have in the spring, in the summer. And I think like that's, that may be a position that Adam Silver is looking at. He knows he's going to have to take losses, but he's like, at the end of the, at the end of the day, May and June, I still want basketball to be on. And right. I think that's the perspective that Adam Silver is taking from this. Whether it's right or wrong, he's still looking at it from a business business side. Right. I mean, this is not the first time, or it wouldn't be the first time they it wouldn't be the first time they had a season where they didn't play all the games. Remember the lockout? Lockout right. went for a long time. Yeah, in 2012. They, they, they lost money, but they still have money. 
Short of the season. Mm-hmm. I know you didn't have a preseason. I know it went straight into they had a, like probably a month break and then went straight into the uh, preseason games or like the you know the little warm up games and went straight into the season. Why not just did that in January and make sure these these guys were completely healthy mm-hmm. or tried? That's to what they wanted. To, yeah, to some of the out, players like, wanted the ML, MLK day. When they put out the timeline. I was like, okay, this is what we're doing. say that one more time. No, I was saying some of the players wanted an MLK Day start, like start the season January 18th. You know, don't even don't even start it 2020, like started in started in, in the new year, which I thought was a genius idea. But the league, they also wanted those Christmas Day games and they got that. So it's just like what the league and the players are wanting are, are two different things. Yes. And like you said, it's a business and they're thinking about the revenue. They're thinking about the, the viewership. But at the end of the day. Without those players and I keeping those players healthy, what's the point of all of this? To make money, I get to make money, obviously. But mm-hmm. like, if they can't, if they can't keep these players safe, or they have to go to the extremes to keep these players safe, the game should not be played. And I think it was uh, George Hill who said that, right? The twenty-four hour thing. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, that like that is really a valid point, and. Transitioning um, to James Harden's massive trade to the Nets and and just the thought of uh, can this trio mesh well enough uh, for a trip to the finals? Wednesday afternoon, um, Harden was traded to the Nets in a four-team deal, and Houston received Oladipo, Exum, Akrukis, four first-round picks, and four Nets pick uh, swaps. Karis LeVert is in Indiana. Um, Jared Allen, Torian Prince is in, is in Cleveland. Harden's back, you know, with his former former teammate in KD and. I mean, this trio, this this trio has a an abundance of firepower. I mean, this this is a really like top notch offensive field firepower. I mean, just just so much scoring in so many positions. Obviously, they give up depth. They give up a young stud in Jared Allen. Um, I know you you're just you got the look of disapproval. You got the look of disapproval for this. You're like dribble, Harden's dribble, about to squash dribble, this dribble, game. Dribble, 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 dribble. Dribble, 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 dribble. Step back, step back, pass. Now give it back. Dribble, 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 dribble. The amount of <laughs> this is they got better. The Nets got better. The Nets got better, man. In you can admit aspect, it. And <laughs> what aspect? They did not get better. You have Kyrie Irving who said he was sick, then he's at his sister's birthday party. He he ha ha without a mask and away from the team because he had family problems. And now his, his story's about right. he wasn't, he didn't like And Steve that's a huge coach. question mark. That's a huge question mark. The, 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 the Kyrie situation, they're like, hey, we got we got internal drama at all. Yes. Let's get a once-in-a-lifetime offensive player that is, I think we overlook what James Harden has done over these last few years. You know, Kevin Durant is probably right now their best defensive player, but James Harden added with that, added with, with, with those other two guys is going to be a problem offensively. Defensively, I'm right there with you. That's going to be the biggest issue. They just added a guy who can't win in the playoffs. Kyrie won in the playoffs. Kevin Durant won mm. in the playoffs. Kyrie has two championships. No. He has one chip. Two. Yeah. No? What? They one can teach him how to win. Kyrie and KD can teach him how to win. It's perfect. Am I going crazy? <laughs> Kyrie has one championship, right? Yeah, with Cleveland. Okay, just making sure. And uh, yes, too. KD has two championships. Right. Kyrie is a brat. KD is adaptable. He could get his at any time. Yeah. So you bring James Harden in the mix. And I know I feel like I'm going super slow. (laughs) You bring James Harden in the mix, who's an isolation king. And you put him with another isolation king. Oh gosh, it's gonna be a disaster, bro. It's gonna be a disaster. James Harden was the problem. Kyrie Irving was the problem. The only mm. solid piece they have is Kevin Durant, because Kevin Durant could get it any way you want it. That's the way. Like he can, he could get his buckets anyway. Like he doesn't have to have isolation, have the ball. He's he's they passing him up. He's he's jacking it from the three point line. Nobody can guard Katie, right? But you right. have these two other guys who isolation kings. We've seen what that happened and what that does. 
And you see Kyrie Irving, he's and, not mature. And that's and that's and an, he, he got mad because they the, the younger guys, the yeah. Celtics knew he wasn't mature. A wanted to be a leader, and he couldn't be a leader. You think he's gonna be a leader to James Harden and Kevin Durant? Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. He's 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 not gonna be that type of leader for, for them. But you look historically at what happens when talent gets meshed together. And I and I know we looked at what the what what happened with the Clippers last season. It didn't work out because they didn't have that same chemistry that the Lakers had. And also Paul George wasn't ready to take on that like second that second type of position, that second elite elite star. But the question I posed to you is who in the East is like you're confident that in a seven game series against these guys, if they're playing the way that we all expect them to play, is like better than this team in That's a seven game series. That's the thing. You said play like we expect them to play. That's you can't put that in the equation. That's not a variable you can put that in the equation. Because we expected James, we expect James Harden when he had Russell Westbrook to go deep. They didn't do that. We expected him to go deep when they lost to after 27 right. consecutive with Chris Paul. And Chris Paul kept them in that series. We expected mm. them to play better and beat the Westcom. So expectation leads to anticipation. And we've been anticipating. When James Harden was going to go and go to the NBA Finals, we've been anticipating that since he got into the, not since he got into the league, since he got to the Rockets, it became a household name. Right. So you put even though you put those talents together, we've seen what happened with OKC when they had Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and uh, Melo. We, we we've seen in, in other instances, like you just said, the Clippers. We see other instances where the amount of talent doesn't matter. The only reason it worked when KD went to the to the Warriors is because all those Steph guys Curry was unselfish. They're not isolate kings. It's a different right. situation when you go to team basketball. And KD is a guy who can get it anyway. He can't like he could get it any he could take over if you have to. But those two isolation king guys are not going to jail well. He thought he was bat he was robbing to LeBron's Batman. Now he's he's freaking Alfred the Butler to to James Harden and uh and Kevin Durant. He's the Butler. He's Alfred. So I don't I, I put those variables in it before I put the, how we expect him to play. That doesn't even matter how we expect them to play. <clears throat> we expect him to be a leader for the uh with for the Celtics and Kyrie. He wasn't that. Mm-hmm. He played trash in the in the final and in, in the playoffs before he he went to the uh, the net. So I don't care. How we expect them to play, I think, in the answer to your question, I think the Philadelphia Philadelphia 76ers can beat them in a game seven. All right, so wrapping up our thoughts on, on this on this Harden trade, you know, obviously you got a, a, a dynamic trio and going forward, the, the issues with Kyrie is going to be, you know, a, a present type of issue and and so much, so much surrounding. Is he going to, you know, be able to consistently be available is there going to be ups and downs of, of his availability? And also, you know, as we were talking about, we can't just make assumptions that these guys are going to be at their, you know, full level of potential when you have so many pieces coming together. And kind of your closing thoughts for this trade, what do you, like, like what's one of, one of the biggest things for you going forward in terms of just the, the chemistry and personality fit? I, I want people to know that my voice is gone. So they want yeah. to get into the podcast. <laughs> Through gotta, gotta that announcement. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think for, we, we look at the past, oh, let me get back. We, we look at the past of what James Harden and KD played before. We said the same thing about when James Harden and Russell played in OKC. Now they went with, uh, he went to uh, the Houston Rockets and they did not gel well. It looked like they was gelling well outside of basketball, but inside basketball, Russell was hurt. He was it, it, the chemistry was off. It's different between those guys when they were not the big time stars they are today. So it's going to be the same exact thing when he go to 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 the Brooklyn Nets. It's not going to be anything different. James Harden is is who he is. He's been like that since he went to the Houston Rockets. He has one way of playing. <clears throat> excuse me, he has one way of playing. KD is one of the the most versatile basketball players I've seen in a long time. So he'll be fine. But I, I just fear the chemistry with Kyrie and also with James Harden is going to affect things. And we'll see that. We'll see how it's, it's affecting things now because Kyrie's not even in camp right now. He's not with, with the team. He's going through. Right. Some, like It's just a lot of stuff surrounding them. And now you bring another big star hoping that that will help him out. But no, I mean, it's 
it's going to be extremely hard for them to jail right off. It's going to take some years, but does Brooklyn Nets want to take years? Do they want to wait for this big three to jail together? And that's the thing. It could be one of those things where they're like, hey, we're going to give this a two to three year window. These guys are in the latter half. I mean, you know, still kind of like 30, 31. Yeah, I believe Harden's 31. Uh, Kyrie's 28. Katie, like they're all in around, Katie's like 32. They're, they're all around that age range of like, you know, still having years to left in the tank to compete for titles. And that may be one of the things the Nets were thinking, like, let's just go all in these next two to three years because, you know, free agencies, free agents and free agent destinations always are circulating. And we might as well take advantage of a situation like this now. And this is true, but I hope, you know what? I don't even hope that they get get it together. I don't think this will, this will work out how people... Houston Rockets, and I feel like I'm talking like Charles Barkley, like he's he's everywhere with his, his thoughts and points. But I think Houston Rockets mm-hmm. definitely won in this this trade. They definitely wow. won. They got rid of a player that was causing confusion, so he could leave. That they got James. They have John Wall. Um, yeah, John Wall, who's I think is a good leader if he can stay healthy. They got some other picks. They still got PJ Tucker. They still have. Um, a good group of guys. I think Houston Rockets won, and I think they show people how good they are. And they've got Victor Ladipo. Yes, and Victor Ladipo. I'm sorry. Yeah, but what a big pickup. Victor Ladipo is <laughs> one of the, the nicest two way guys ever. He's a dog. He's a he's he's everything you want in a basketball player. I I want to see them show everybody they're good without James Harden. I want to see just how the Celtics did without Kyrie Irving. I want the Houston Rockets to do the same thing. Right. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our review of The Social Network. Welcome back to the show. And now we're getting into our view of The Social Network. And to start with an um, overview, The Social Network is a 2010 American biographical drama film directed by David Fincher and written by Aaron Sorkin, adopted from Ben Merzik's 2009 book, The Accidental Billionaires. And it portrays the founding of social networking, of the social net- networking website, Facebook, and the resulting lawsuits um, starring Je- Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, Justin Timberlake, Arm, um, Army Hammer, Tyler Winklevoss, and uh, Max uh, Minkola. Zuckerberg and other Facebook staff were involved with the project as Saverin was a consultant um, for Merzik's book. It had a budget of $40 million and brought in $222.4 in the uh, box office. It had a... Um, 96% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and won the Academy Award for Best Writing Adapted Screenplay. And this film has been, you know, just credited for inspiring involvement in startups and social media, um, the effect on entrepreneurship and people wanting to start their own companies and empires and another element um, that that was just a, a major takeaway from this film. But, you know, before we even get to, to the topics, like what were kind of your initial thoughts of a film that was deemed one of the top ones in the last decade and just you know, mm-hmm. recapping that the tech giant Facebook has become over the years. It's, I always love origin stories, especially yeah. Facebook and how, because they need to do an origin story on MySpace. I don't know if it's going yes. to be as appealing to Prolific. most people. Yeah, but I think MySpace is started, not started at all, but I think MySpace became an epidemic and then Facebook kind of came and then kind of took it off. Um, but just for this film, and I, like I said, I love origin stories. I love finding out how everything started. Of course, it started on college campus. Like, that was the most dope part. Like, all the great ideas come when you're just in a state of mind, just, like, pissed off or just, like, you're just in an unsurreal moment. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Even though he kind of stole it. I need, I need to find something. Right. To find something to, like, take my mind off things, okay? I'm Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build something that's crazy, but, like, I don't know. I love orange stories. I love giving the and the insight of how Mark Zuckerberg is, uh, especially at the age and how he, you know, did his friends and how just how he did business. Because you see these guys, these business moguls, one way successful. How did they get there? How did, did they exactly. did they move people out the way to get there? Did they go, you know, you know, steal some things? And he definitely did steal some things. But it was I, I think it was good. I think it was a good film, <laughs> definitely for. Um, Jesse Eisenberg, definitely for him. It's really um, yes. catapulting the perfect, his the perfect guy, guy to do this. Perfect guy to do it. And I'm glad he did do it because his career would not have been the same if he did. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely one of those performances from 
from him where, as you say, like, it's just the trajectory of a career was just reshaped by this certain certain performances and certain roles characters, uh, actors just need to have and actresses to really um, define what their career tra- trajectory is going to look like. Um, getting to our first topic from one, from one to four stars, what would you give it? Um, to me, this was a clear four star film as this was just the type of script that was impeccable and, and riveting with the perfect main actor to reenact Mark, Mark Zuckerberg mm-hmm. and just a beautifully directed film. Um, but to you from, from one to four stars, what would you give it? Definitely four stars across the board from, um, the writing ability, the writing from the the shooting, from the actors, from just like the just the origin of everything. I really, I really think they gave a deeper perspective on us how Facebook really started, how how childish it was, <laughs> how how childish <laughs> yeah. it started, and then it turned into a great idea because somebody else had a great idea. It's just like the McDonald's situation, you know what I mean? So I think yeah, four stars yeah. across the board, man. Absolutely. And the film was just really sharp and crisp, like the way it moved, like it was just a really, obviously it's analytical. It was analytical type of film and and everything about it was just, was just very meticulous and detailed. Um, Interesting to our second topic, favorite character. Um, To me, I I had Sean Parker because this was such a crucial performance. Mm. You know, this guy's the founder of Napster and he's having just so much business influence on Zuckerberg. And when you look at Justin Timberlake's performance for this, he went outside of the parameters of his usual self. And, and many, you know, critics mentioned him as a best supporting actor candidate um, as this film was, was just being released. But but to you looking back at this one, who kind of was like your favorite character? You know, he's the the owner of Spotify, right? Well, he was. Yeah. Well, yeah I, was I, owner of Spotify. You know, it's crazy. When I saw this movie, I looked him up and it was like, oh, and as soon as I watched him, I put a post on Facebook. Oh, the guy, I forgot his real name, bounced back with Spotify. And Spotify is one of the biggest streaming services in the United States and international. That's freaking crazy. Yes. He was he was a he was Bonker. a maniac, but he was he was a, he was a genius. He was a genius with his company mm-hmm. and stuff. But um, my favorite character was Ed, Ed, Eduardo for sure. I nice. think he was the 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 mild man or friend that saw a great idea. And he backed him with no with like no hesitation. And I, my friends are the same way. So when I see that, I was like, oh, crap, that's crazy. My friends, I do the same thing. Like, I'm going to support you no matter what. Like, dude, I don't care if it's a dumb idea. But then- <laughs> I got you. <laughs> how he handled himself, like, he, like it was, like, really dope. I love the moment when he jumped at Sean Parker. Oh, now I remember his name. Well, it's an FYI. Yeah, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> it came <laughs> to you jumped, right there, that scene. <laughs> I'm, right, exactly. Well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. But no, I, Eduardo was, he was so funny, man. But he, he played a chicken story. You did. <laughs> it's so funny but yeah eduardo was definitely my favorite character absolutely um interesting to most memorable scenes um I, I had the uh you're breaking up with me where at the beginning of the film mark is in an argument with his girlfriend ending mm-hmm. in, in a result of him getting dumped um i deserve some recognition where mark asked for a recognition from the harvard board instead of hostility for breaking security measures um, right. Cease and desist, where Mark and Eduardo argue about a cease and desist letter Mark received from the Winkle, uh, Winklevoss twins. Then Mark yep. and the twins argue over the rights to Facebook. Um, yep. A billion dollars scene, Mark and Edward, Edmardo, Ed, Eduardo meet with the notorious founder of Napster, Sean Parker. And, and from the jump, Eduardo was never, he was never high on Sean Parker. He just never, <laughs> they never clicked. And Sean Parker didn't like him either. Um, putting out fires where Mark shares um, some exciting news about the business with um, Eduardo. Um, I was only your friend, Eduardo, and his lawyer, lawyers recount the story of how he was portrayed by Mark. And finally, I'm not a bad guy scene where Mark advises Mark um, to settle his, uh, uh, where Mark is advised to settle the court case. But to you, kind of like, what was your overall most memorable scene? The the last one, the last scene about, I'm not a, I'm not a bad guy. She was like, yeah, I know. Um, yeah. You just try so hard to be. That was a good one. To sum everything up, he's not a bad guy. He just makes bad decisions. And I like when Eduardo uh, jumped at Sean Parker. I like standing. I stand. I like standing next to you. You made me seem some tough. That was dope. Like yeah, and just where I'm a lawyer up I'm just not coming for a percentage. I'm coming for everything. Yo, that gave me goosebumps, Wellington. Chills. <laughs> Yo, that was a scene in him like giving the check. Um, what's another good scene? Oh yeah, the the, the first thing he was like, uh, "You breaking up with me?" Like, oh what? Like, like the whole time he was like, and then no 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 no, it was a good scene 
where he saw her again in the restaurant and he he created Facebook and it was like this thing. And she was like, what? Like she still, she blew him off. Like she was, it was a nobody. That was a dope scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't care what you have. You just don't do it for me, guy. Just get on. Just jog on. <laughs> jog on. Like, that was a good scene. Um, it was a couple more, bro. Like, oh, when they when it was at the house party or the party or whatever, because they got one million something. Oh, yeah. And they got raided and he got in trouble. And just everything that uh, Eduardo was ta- saying came to fruition. Like, this guy's bad. He's a fruition. bad guy. So, yeah, that was good. And no, another one. Eduardo was never high on him. He told him, he told him, hey, like, this guy's going to bring you some major trouble. Major trouble. I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but he was just like, um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, do I have your attention? He was like, no. You know, he was like, it's raining. It's like, Mr. Zuckerberg, do I have your attention? He's like, no, you don't have my attention. And like, he just went off. I'm going to get that in the, um, yeah. like the, the quotes, quotes and stuff. But yeah. Absolutely. Um, transitioning to most memorable quotes, um, I had, you know, you really don't need a forensic team uh, sorry, to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> um, you know, you don't really need a forensic team to get to the bottom of this. If you guys were the inventor of Facebook, you'd have invented Facebook for Mark. Um, you're not thinking about what it's going to look like from Cameron. Let the hacking begin for Mark. Um, I don't want friends for Mark. And the, the I don't want friends, that line really, you know, just summarize everything about what his whole mission was he he didn't care mark didn't care about who he lost in this entire film it was about creating an empire no matter who he lost on the journey and and just going along with with a a great amount of success um and then the do you think i deserve your full attention from gage the one the one you were just mentioning and um we lived on farms and then we lived in cities and now we're going to live on the internet uh from shauna i thought that was an an amazing line um so you kind of like what was your overall most memorable quote um I'm about to read the whole thing, Wellington. You ready? Uh-oh. I think Go if ahead. your clients want to sit on my shoulders and call themselves tall, they have the right to give a try. But there's a no requirement that I enjoy sitting here listening to the people lie. You have a part of my attention. You have the minimum amount. The rest of my attention is back at the offices of Facebook, where my colleagues are doing things no one in this room, including especially your clients, are intellectually or creatively capable of doing. Boom. Bow. So then he said, then, then I accurately answer your condescending question, bro. Bro, give me chills. chills. Chills, bro. And then I don't know, he's just so sarcastic. And when Eduardo was talking about like $18,000, yes. In addition to your thousand you already put up, yes. I told him 19000 now. Yes. And he said, hang on. And then he calculated on his notepad. He was like, I'm just checking your mouth. Like, yes, I did the same thing. Oh, it's so cold. He actually did the calculation right there. A butthole, bro. Like, it's such a butthole. <laughs> But it's funny though. Like, <laughs> you know, that's really <laughs> that's really funny. And then another one is definitely like I like I like standing next to you. you make me look so tough. Yeah, that's a that's a dope. Yeah, one. that's a dope. Hold in line. Definitely. Um, and, and for the what what did you like the most about the storyline? To me, how this film just clarified a process that some believe in other another sphere is creating a new mindset, and also just how it observed a fundamental shift in human nature and. When, when people are, are together on a journey to create an empire, there's going to be feelings hurt. There's going to be disagreements. There's going to be different point of views. And we all saw that come into fruition um, at the end of the film um, in, in terms of just what everybody dealt with the aftermath of, of creating this. To you, kind of like, what did you like the most about um, this particular storyline? Mark Zuckerberg, for sure. How, how, how he moved throughout this whole process from beginning to end. And he really didn't learn anything from it. But yeah, that was a big takeaway. Yeah. Even at the end, when everything finished, it just there was not there was no lesson or point of view that he got. Because even when she told him you need to settle, she's like, why? And then he he realized it's a it's a realization of what was gonna happen, but he didn't learn from it. And I thought that was very interesting. I don't know if it's just how they depicted in the movie, but he didn't learn anything. Throughout your career, throughout your life, throughout your business ventures, you've moved people out the way. You stepped on people. You stole ideas. You did all this stuff so you can be this type of guy. You didn't want to feel belittled because a girl broke broke up with you. You got mad. You made a hot or not list, which was really funny. 
Um, <laughs> but you didn't learn anything <laughs> from it. And then it's so crazy. He's still going through the same thing today with Facebook in their privacy settings mm-hmm. and how he handled himself in those in those hearings. It's just really, it just, everything's unfold like this. He said, I'm not a bad guy, but it sure does look like you're a bad guy. I think that yeah, and be- that's the the reality. The reality part of it, like, like that, that's another thing. When you look at the the social media giants today, like you know, recently TikTok, even Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, like, did it did it even make you think just differently of just how social media giants are are, are built and just like even what we're seeing in reality of how these tech giants have to deal with just so <laughs> much scrutiny of how their sites are used and the upside and downside of it. I think you got to be a certain way to be successful when it comes to social media, especially having like an app mm-hmm. for people to come on. I think you have to have, you have to be this, this guy that doesn't listen to negativity or alter yourself in right. negativity. And I think that's what, that's why he was, he was, he was destined to be this great business mogul because he was already sarcastic, just going up based off the movie. I never met him a day in my life, but just off the movie, how sarcastic he was, how condescending he was, how facetious he, he was. You had to have that type of backbone to be to build a company and to buy out another company, Instagram, and 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 look to buy out Twitter here shortly. I think he's going to go for Twitter, but I, I don't know. I think Twitter is a different monster in itself. But you have to have that type. Even TikTok, TikTok. I think TikTok is a little different because TikTok is mostly just videos, yeah. videos, 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 mm. videos, videos, videos. Facebook is actually people on there showing who they. It's just it's different, different apps. But for him, I think he had to be this type of person to be successful in the social media realm. Um, he even got um, <laughs> Tom on board from MySpace. I was I wonder what that conversation was because most of everybody, that's how Facebook, I wish they would have put that in the film because that's how Facebook really yeah, got bigger. Like, that would have been an interesting, that would have been an interesting twist. Exactly. Because that's how Facebook got bigger because even, I, yeah. I remember Facebook got really popular going into my senior year, like really, really popular because people were still on MySpace and people, was, it was starting to get on Twitter. So Facebook right. was just for the older generation. It wasn't, I know it said it had in there, it was a college, but everybody was still on MySpace. MySpace was the thing. And then I think it was going into my senior year, everybody kind of like migrated to Facebook because Tom started doing stuff and migrated everybody to Facebook. I wish they would have put that in there. Yeah, that, that would have definitely been an, an interesting uh, subplot in, in, in this film. Getting to our last topic, 10 years from now, do you still think it'll be a watchable and intriguing film? You know, I was talking about earlier as, as like, it's deemed to be one of the best movies of the last decade. Like, they were kind of saying in an article I was reading a, a couple of days ago, Get Out and uh, Get Out and this film were like the two best films of, of the last decade. And it's definitely considered just a, a, a really um, critical analysis and, and, and type of a, a masterpiece put together mm-hmm. and i definitely think it, it will be still intriguable you know watching intriguable um uh watchable and, and intriguing 10 years from now the combination of just so many elite influences in david fincher's direction uh aaron sorkin's screenplay and then the acting by um jesse eisenberg and justin timberlake just others that brought together that didn't just create a story but also a worldview um what was a brought together a very great performance right. um to you kind of like what what in particular do you think will still make this watchable intriguing another decade from now Ooh, i think it's a lot that will make this i mean still to this day every time it's on like i always say this but you pick great movies to review wellington and i say that because every time <laughs> we review a movie i say the same thing when this is on tv i sit down and watch it i watch this probably a hundred times and i get a different it's hard not to exactly because <laughs> If Facebook is big, Facebook, Facebook is super big, bro. And you want to know how it got that way. What, what it took Mm -hmm. to get to this point. It took a lot of sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. It took a lot of sacrifice. It took a lot of like doing dumb stuff to friends, best friends that you had playing stories. I don't know if he really played that story. I don't know if that was just a goof. They just put in there just because I don't know if that was truthful. Um, but yeah, man, I think if you want to know what Facebook is really about and how it started, you will want to watch it. And it, it and I want it, I mm-hmm. want it so bad to do a sequel to this and add those those different elements like the MySpace or somebody do a thing about MySpace about Tom. My first friend on MySpace yeah. was Tom. 
it was Tom in his same white picture on the chalkboard. It, it was, was Tom, Tom with the white shirt. With the white t-shirt. Bro, I was like, why? It's the same picture. Same picture every time. Same picture behind this, this whiteboard with stuff on it. And he has his sideways pose. I want somebody to do something on MySpace. But but just if you want to know the origin or where Facebook really came from, how big it's grown over those years, you want to watch this. And then just for just for seeing somebody's career kickstart, because they thought Jesse Eisenberg was going to be another Michael Sarah. Like he was just mm. another knockoff Michael Sarah. But this role really showed his his depth as an as an actor. You know what I mean? Because this this really because he's he's like that in every movie. Especially you, you remember uh, we did. I think we did a review on this. Um, when they're magicians, uh, now you see me. We never did Now You See Me. We are going to do Now You See Me this year, now that you mentioned it. <laughs> I thought, no, 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 no. We did do Now You See Me. I could have sworn we did that, bro. We did you sure? We <laughs> I'm going to go back and look at the archives. We'll go back and look at the archives. Bro, we had to, we <laughs> to Google Hangout. No. Oh, back when we did Google Hangouts. Yeah, back when we did Google Hangouts. Yeah, we, we, we covered that one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we, we did because we were just talking about Yeah, 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 yeah. I can swap. I know. I remember. Now You See Me is one of my my favorite films of J.C. Yeah, I love Um, But Meryl, what would he be? And he's, he's the same way in that one. He's the same way in that one. Very yes. analytical, very yes. forward thinking, progressive. And that's his MO, but he does like he does have that goofy side just like, um, oh, shoot, the zombie movie. Why is it escaping me? Uh, Zombieland, and he plays some other right. goofy parody movies type things, and he he's, he has some range. But no, for if you want to hear the origin, if you want to see how this movie kind of kickstart Jesse Eisenberg's career out of Michael Sarah's um, shadows, or them wanting you know anticipating him being just like him, I mean you will want to see this movie. This is a good movie. Absolutely, definitely. Um, well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Winsor Burns, with my counterpart, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.